though, seriously, before you start, can you just tell me how it actually starts again? You are because um, there's a countdown on the other software, right? Yeah, and we're this using one, this software. Is this the one that doesn't have the countdown? Also, we don't have the soundboard here. Uh, if we did, you would hear that the the music is already playing. The episode has started, and you're being the host today. I'm the host today. Yeah. What this is the is strategists. It? No, but what episode? episode. Give me a second. I know what I'm doing. Just tell me the episode number. The episode. You see the software that we're in right now. You see the top left corner of that software. Oh, ten twenty-seven. Yeah. Okay. Hey. Welcome to episode 1027. That's not, that's not how he does it. Well, he's not fucking here, is he? <laughs> if he was here, he could do it the way he does it. I do it the way... Hey! You sound like a carnival barker. You're like asking you me to come... put the to... fucking music over top? I did Zane already. Is not it, here. it was right at the start. You just couldn't hear it. because we. Hey! Welcome to episode 1027 of The Strategists. Uh, today you get a special episode of uh, Hogan and Carter um, because, frankly, we don't know. Because. Because we don't know. Do we? I, Zane's been out of communication for like a week at this point. I'll be honest with you. I thought that the Thursday night thing that we did last week would have you know, spurred him to action. Spurred him back. Yeah. Because we were clearly looking for a new host. <laughs> we we floated Roger Goodell. As I host. mean, that was a clear choice that we could have made. Marjorie Taylor Greene could have joined us. Uh, yeah, Joseph Biden, President of the United States, former President Trump. Do you want to know one of my problems with Joe Biden? Whenever I say Joseph Biden, and I'm going to say like his full name, I want to say Joseph Gordon Biden, like Joseph Gordon Levitt. Oh, nice. And that's that's not his middle name. You know who'd be a good, good president? Joseph Gordon Levitt. He'd be, be a great president. Yeah. Do you see him in um, Third Rock from the Sun? He was excellent in Third Rock from the Sun. Actually, the best actor on Third Rock from the Sun. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's gonna, it's not, is this one of these episodes or is it a different episode? What are we doing? How was your, listen, how was your AFL predictions? Are they playing? Is that a thing no, right now? they don't now? play until March. Oh, okay. We're in the off season right now. I it's tried. summer. It's summer down there. It's really hot, so they don't play sports. Uh Although they sometimes right. make the women play, which seems weird, but it sounds a little misogynistic. I would I have expected better from Australia. Yeah, well, do we really though? From the place that calls pe- women Sheilas, do we really expect better? I don't expect. Better. I don't know why they're called Sheilas, and I don't want you to explain it to me because now I'm worried. I don't it's know. Like, I've been to yeah. Australia. I didn't refer to them as Sheilas because I, you know, was afraid uh, the whole time I was there. Everything is bigger in Australia. Yeah, even even the social anxiety, apparently. Yeah, for sure. For sure it is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You did say you were going to be host today, though, because oh, Zane is apparently nowhere to be seen. No, I said I was going to ask questions today. Oh. So, is, should we set is that people not up? What's, I Let's mean, I guess you're up. right. Zane doesn't really ask questions, and he's no, host. No, I'm going to ask he questions. It's totally different. Totally yeah, different. Yeah, that's a fair point. Okay. Yeah. So let's set this up. Danielle Smith, uh, premier of the province of Alberta, where we reside, had an Ask Me Anything uh, uh, press conference today. So this, and, you're making it an Ask Me Anything of us. You're doing a Zane Velge right, bit style. Right. Thing. So we're going to do we're going to we're going to build on that. And we're yeah. going to I'm going to ask you anything I feel like. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So the first thing I'm going to ask you is but just to be um, clear. This is not like truth or dare, you know, no, like no, I can. But, do you know what happened to Zane? No. <laughs> Hopefully nothing. Yeah. Because 
I'll be honest, the lack of communication is starting to bother me. It's you irritating know? me. He's often been out of communication. Do you remember what we said on, on Sunday night? Maybe, should we record? And we didn't hear from him. So we no said, response. let's try on Monday. No response. No response. And he said there's is... like a picture of him hanging out with some dude, but no yeah. response. No response. Yeah. Topless, I might add. Freaked me right out. <laughs> I'm like, where is he? I think they both were. Very weird. But anyways, <laughs> we're going to move right to, past that. Yeah, we're not going to explain that. Anyways, it was a it was a day. And uh, here we are today, let down again, because I thought he yep. was joining us today. I honestly did. And I, I didn't. I didn't for all sorts of reasons. So Mostly, ask I just me don't anything. I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm okay. going to ask you some questions. First question for the Corey Hogan. Good. What do the words just transition mean to you? Oh, fuck. Okay. So for the benefit of the rest of the country, who I hope to God has not been pulled into this madness, we've decided the latest five alarm fire in Alberta is that we really are upset about the notion of a just transition. So you asked me what it means to me. Yep. Not a lot. Right. Um, but if you're going to get down to it, the idea of a just transition comes uh, from 2015 Paris Accords talking mm -hmm. about if there is going to be um, action taken on climate change, there needs to be corresponding social action to make sure workers are not left behind. The transition right. needs to be just. Right. Seems if actually we, like a fairly unobjectionable idea. So your understanding of it is if we lose jobs in one industry. We hope to be able to justly transition people from that industry into new, well-paying jobs. Do you know, I'm not even necessarily sure I would describe it as jobs for jobs. Like, But yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's that there needs to be a soft landing if there needs to be action that's going to have a negative effect on jobs. So the liberals so, took this language up. Yeah, so this language this, this does not more. mean... This is the start. The start of my thing. Okay, go. please continue, sir. Okay. I did not mean to interrupt you. Well, let me tell you this. Then the liberals did did say there was a need to move forward with a, like a just transition yeah. in 2019, in their 2019 election platform. So to be clear, not the most recent election, the election before, where they decided then they needed to go get a mandate, despite clearly not being done the stuff from 2019, yeah. which they're not doing now. Well, maybe we'll get back to that. I would hate for anybody to think fundamentally what I'm doing is defending the federal liberal government. But I was I was thinking you were so thank you were you for getting clarifying. you were getting concerned yeah yeah so <clears throat> uh, the minister has said we're going to move forward with this just transition activity here's the thing that is how it was described in the 2019 liberal platform but Wilkinson has even said himself that's not his preferred language anymore doesn't like that as much he wants to talk about sustainable jobs and yet somehow in the province of Alberta. We've decided to just rhetorically burn everything to the ground because there's a suggestion that legislation will be brought in that will create a soft landing on any climate activity. Well, no, I mean, it's actually the language. Legislation will be brought in to create a just transition. Yeah, but the, that the comes from the platform. Like the, lib the liberals have even said that's not necessarily their language anymore. But but the expectation is any change will ultimately destroy jobs in the oil and gas industry, as though no one's been following along the actual number of jobs in the oil and gas industry in Alberta. <laughs> um, it's it's as though people haven't actually looked at the statistics because the number of jobs in the in oil and gas has remained relatively constant, regardless of the number of you know the 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 peaks and spikes in oil and gas pricing. So I'm I'm confused as to. 
um, what it means. And also, Danielle Smith uses the words just transition, and she applies it to the coal industry, as though, again, the federal government shut down the coal industry uh, worldwide. Is that your understanding, is that the federal government shut down uh, the coal industry? No, but okay. I mean, let's not be super cynical about this, because, look, I've got a lot of somewhat critical things to say about some of the answers that came out of today's press conference. And so I yeah. want to be kind of, Fair. you know, I, I, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to fall into some sort of rhetorical trap where everything's madness here. The okay. idea of phasing out coal was, um, you know, that was part of the NDP's climate action plan. And it was done for a lot of reasons, not least of which is burning coal is not good for us, right? It creates respiratory yeah. diseases. It puts things into the air that hurt us as humans, not just, you know, CO2. Yeah which will hurt us a lot as humans, but on a longer time scale, right? Um, and then the federal government followed in with a uh, their own coal standards. I'm, I'm so removed from government at this point, I might be a little murky, but ultimately the standard is not you cannot have coal. It is good as gas. You've got to create coal with emissions profiles that are more like natural gas. So if you can do that, you can continue to burn coal. It's nobody saying you can't burn coal. They're saying you need to burn it at an incredibly high standard of, you know, um, you know, environmental care. That's not really economical. You know what is burning coal. So what's ended ah. up happening is they've transitioned a lot of these coal plants to gas plants, and that requires far fewer people. So that has resulted in a lot of job losses in places like Hinton, Alberta, you know, around these major uh, coal plants that previously existed. But what you seem to be implying is that that was some sort of industry reaction to regu- you know, to some regulations. I, I recall that uh, the progressive conservative government in Alberta actually put a number of regulations in on coal uh, that were sometimes stronger and more, more limiting than the regulations that are actually put in by the federal government. Um, so this may not be a federal government issue at all. It I mean, may, the federal fact- government, they stacked their standard on top of a very strong Alberta standard. The Alberta standard... Uh can, of course, be removed, but then the federal standard becomes the new floor. And then, you know, so uh, like if there's a common theme here, it's finding a way to pick a fight with the federal government on things that aren't really the federal government. Oh, so uh, I I guess that then leads me to another question. Like she also brought up uh, today that Danielle Smith suggested that uh, maybe the the federal government won't finish the TMX, the the Trans Mountain Pipeline extension that uh, in some fashion they're going to spend $21, $22 million and stop in the middle. Um, (laughs) Did I hear that correctly, first of all? Yeah, okay. Again, yeah, a theme here, right? Which is federal government bad, trying to pick a fight with the federal government. Oh. And look, you're right. The federal government after all of the cost overruns, is on the hook for like $21 billion to build this pipeline. I think it was yeah. originally 13 or $14 billion. Is yeah. So a lot more. $21 billion yeah. Oh, yeah. is a yeah. lot. But by the way, a lot more than the federal government spending on, say, electric battery plants and modernization of the car industry in mm-hmm. Ontario. For sure. Right? People seem to forget that or think it was a long time ago, despite the fact that that spending, that $21 billion spending is happening right now. They're finishing the pipeline. It's supposed to come online, I think, in the fourth quarter of this year, be concluded in the third quarter of this year. So the idea that the federal government is going to not put a, any more money into it and get it done is um, <laughs> bullshit. Now, it's not to say that that bullshit isn't rooted in comments the federal government has made, but the, the federal government's comments have been more like, we're not putting more money into this, you know? Yeah. Not the same as saying it's not going to get done. That that yeah. could imply other people come in and put money. Nobody's going to leave 
a pipeline like this, you know, $1 billion short of the finish line and say, oh, well, fuck it, I guess. I mean, who cares, right? I mean, that yeah. would be handy. That would make a lot of money. Oh, who cares? You know, but a billion dollars, there's no private market for that. Yeah, yeah. you'd never be able to so, find the capital. And even if nobody came in, do I believe the federal government wouldn't, if push comes to shove, finish the pipe? No, of course they'd fucking finish the pipeline. Because rational actors and, you know, as much as... Yeah, well, uh, I'm just asking the questions here, Corey. I don't like the attitude. Um, wow. And why am I by myself? Recording. So Corey's left the podcast. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be continuing the podcast or not. So just assume that you're the federal government and you've invested $21 billion into this. And for fun, let's say it's going to cost $2 billion for you to finish this project. Now, you have a choice between just lighting $21 billion on fire, maybe sending some asshole out with a crowbar to try to take it for scrap, or you can spend $2 billion and recoup your entire investment. Does, does anybody actually, actually think that the federal government is going to say, oh, well, I guess we tried. We're done. You know, we're out. It was twenty. It was going to take $2 billion more, and we have to draw a line in the sand somewhere. Like That's just not going to happen. They didn't teach you about the sunk cost fallacy in, in your fancy-smancy MBA? What? The, they just skipped over that fallacy? Just yeah, ask. that's a total misreading of the sunk cost fallacy. And here's the thing. Like, even if you're the federal government, you're like, you know, I don't want to put $2 billion into it. Or I yeah. want to just minimize my losses, and I'm worried that operation costs, I'm worried it'll take more than $2 billion. Your ability to kind of, like, sell a project that is just months from complete and $2 billion is a lot better than when this project started. So, oh, yeah. I'm sure there's buyers yeah, I mean, already already looking at it. I'm sure. Anyways, Absolutely. Uh, so what you're saying is that the what, what is being said by the provincial government may not, in fact, be what is occurring with the federal government. Yeah. So, God, you're going to run us through a whole list. And I want to talk about the list of these things. But can I just sort of jump in and tell you, I had a, a buddy. His name's Dave, uh, oh, Dave. When I was about 20 years old. Yeah. yeah. Nicest guy. Huge guy. Tall massive like giant bodybuilder right yeah. really really big guy biggest guy you're gonna meet right certainly the biggest guy most nights when you're in the bar and um but like a gentle giant type of person well one night i'm at the uh, strathcona inn in edmonton sitting at the bar my buddy dave a couple of other people mm-hmm. and this guy comes in comes up to dave who's just sitting there drinking his beer just talking to his friends punches dave in the head Dave's very confused. You know, he just, he's, he's like, why? Why did you do that? And this other guy's got his fists up. He's vibrating. He clearly wants it. He just wants a fight. He wants to go into the bar and pick a fight with the biggest guy in the bar, like almost prison rule style, right? Yeah. And Dave's just confused. He, do, he doesn't know even why a fight is potentially on the table. Now, I don't think the feds are confused, but. You know, the, this conservative government's offering an awful lot of the same energy that this rando who who came at Dave that night, you know, 20 years ago brought. It's just it, – it, it, we're going to – this this is going to be exhausting because not only do we have like four more of these from this AMA that happened yeah. today, we've got four more months of this as a province because yeah, they just – never going to stop. It's never going to stop. Listen, I, of course, have heard that story before because you, in fact, pitched it and the movie Dave was made from that story. It was a fantastic story. And I'm there were a super few glad to follow after. up. Yeah, a few. Yeah, but I mean, ultimately, <laughs> uh, the primary story still shone through. Um, yeah. 
I mean, it was ultimately a story about a guy doing the right thing. Exactly. You know? It was a story. Now, so speaking about uh, someone doing the right thing, the federal sure. government, in its infinite wisdom, has decided to stop allowing cars to drive to the Moraine Lake because of uh, increase of traffic. Um, the biggest complaint from the provincial government appears to be that this may constrain Albertans' ability to affordably access uh, the national park. Um Given that the the, federal, the provincial government brought in the Kananaskis Pass, do you feel they're being a little bit hypocritical? Or is that just me? Because I actually go outside. Uh, I mean, it's it's mostly you because okay. you go outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not like you don't have to spend money to go into a national park. Hang on, I so got an I, idea. I'm not... Is Zane outside? Is that why he's unable to record with us? We will never see him again if he's outside. That guy yeah, can't. He'll never get outside. back. Yeah, you know he lives near Confederation Park in Calgary, and I I worry when he goes oh, on walks, he won't nice find his way back. Docks, Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> it's a big park. It's fine. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> listeners, that's not, not Confederation much... Confederation Park in Antigonish. Uh, Try yeah, that. also fair, the most generic thing. Okay, listen, here's my bigger beef with this, despite the fact that yet again, it's just another thing that I'm, I guess we're supposed to be outraged about. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, do me a solid here, Steve. Okay, you're, sure. You're I'm not good. a smart guy, but you're an old guy. So you were around when this happened. Yeah. When was Alberta founded as a province? Uh, n- 1905, I believe, if I'm correct. That's right. Yeah. Do you know? Do you know when Banff National Park became a national park? I believe it was just before the 1900, was it not? It was in the 1890s? 1885. 1885. Close, but not quite. Okay. So Banff has been a national park 20 years longer than Alberta has been a province. And for, uh, you know, the suggestion that the minister is there to defend us against the national interests in the national park that is older than the province is a little much for me, frankly. Oh. And and that would be even if we didn't just have fundamentally, like, is this what we care about now? A single parking lot at a, a single thing in Banff National Park being restricted for a small portion of time? Yeah, well, that's a good question. I mean, I've, I do have another segment I'd like to, to tee up here because I think that this one's getting a little old. Um <laughs> That last <laughs> that last segment brought to you by Flair Airlines, where parking is the least of your problems. Um, <laughs> not, not not brought to you by Flair, but very good. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, I'd like I'd like to show that Zane's not the only one who can do this stuff. Uh, Sovereignty Act, my friend. Ear. Sovereignty Act. We've talked about ad nauseum. Uh, we talked about why would they pass the Sovereignty Act. We talked about what is the Sovereignty Act designed to do. You and I actually did a segment on whether or not uh, Zane's mother-in-law should actually sign the Sovereignty Act into law. Um, Danielle was asked about the Sovereignty Act, I would think, 50 times. Maybe not 50 times, but lots of times today in the uh, press conference. And and they centered around a theme of, if not for this, then when would you use the Sovereignty Act? And I must say that she kind of deferred away from the idea of using the Sovereignty Act. And I wondered, at some point, does not using the Sovereignty Act become a problem or a threat for Danielle Smith, where she has created this weapon uh, of the Sovereignty Act, and if she chooses not to use it, will her supporters in some fashion wonder if she's just not got the guts to stand up 
uh, to Ottawa. Is that could that be some sort of a future problem that current um, premier is making for herself as she moves through, uh, you know, trying to govern uh, our ungovernable province? Well, maybe. So the fundamental challenge she has with the Sovereignty Act is it's not constitutional, or at least not in, in you know, any way that would assage her supporters, right? Yeah. So she can't use it. And it's just so, you know, it's like almost a, you know, a, a localized trope at this point where people in Alberta, lawyers in Alberta, constitutional experts in Alberta, political science professors in Alberta, We'll take the last thing Danielle Smith said, and we're going to use the Sovereignty Act, or we could use the Sovereignty Act for something like this. And they'll say, how? Show me how. Tell me right. what that legislation would look like. Where do you think is the federal override or the overstep here that, that is um, something that you could then retaliate on? We've seen things like maybe we could use the Sovereignty Act for plastic straws. We've seen maybe we could use the Sovereignty Act to stop um, – EV targets, I think, at one point, right? You know, it's just like, I don't know. I don't, you know, it's, it's become this thing I was saying on Twitter. It's, it's a MacGuffin from film. Like at this point, you're not supposed to ask questions about the Sovereignty Act. It's just the thing that people are fighting over. It's, it's the battle. And to your question, um, I don't know if you remember the movie Dave, where they had the the briefcase and they just kept saying, is that what I think it is? And, you know, the various characters were fighting over it and you yeah. just saw light illuminate their face. That was and, a good movie. Yeah. I really, yeah. that was my favorite part of Dave. Yeah. And then there was a, a sitcom called Community years later. That, oh, yeah. Where they're like, is that what I think it is? And they open it and they showed it was just a light, right? But like, it was one of those things where you don't, if you open it and you show there's nothing in the briefcase, the illusion is snapped. So if she goes out and she tries to use this Sovereignty Act and it immediately gets struck down by the courts as something that's unconstitutional, ultra vires outside of the power of the province, right? That's yep. a problem for her, right? She sure can't do it now because there's too much. There's almost too much time before the election. And if you find a situation where everyone's like, well, clearly if it was made for anything, it was made for this. So you got to use it now and she doesn't use it. That's a problem. So you might have a point. And I wonder, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know that there's wisdom in Justin Trudeau picking a fight with Danielle Smith. We've talked about that. We've talked about that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But if he wanted to, if he wanted to, Part of me thinks this would be the moment to poke her in the eye, like almost to do something that her supporters think this Sovereignty Act will absolutely allow her to deal with it, which, of course, as we've gone through, we know it can't. And basically watch her twist in the wind for two months as she explains either why she can't use it or watch her use it and then have it immediately slapped down by the courts. I think that this is why I asked the question, because I think that, you know, in political strategy, strength is rewarded and impotence is is punished. And yeah. it, this feels to me like she's created uh, her own impotence, right? Where she has put herself in a position where she has written this act. She's quickly passed the act rather than talking about it because she could have very easily talked about it and made it, you know, the first bill in the spring session. Uh, but she couldn't. Well, well, I mean, she could. I guess she could have done you that. You got to go way right? back she, in time. She put herself in a box. Right. You, you got to get way back in the way back machine to make that actually happen. But... Had she not gone out big guns ablazing that she was going to bring in this as the first act, um, then maybe she would be in a position where she doesn't have to um, make it 
uh, the 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 centerpiece. And and if it's not the centerpiece, then maybe she gets to kind of live for another day. Uh, I've I'm. I actually like the opportunity because, of course, I'm not real keen on Danielle Smith remaining the the premier of the province. I think that this is a really interesting opportunity for her to kind of suffer a little bit. And her supporters um, may start to walk away from her if she's perceived as weak on the federal government. Uh, and, and, And it does kind of. You know, you're, you're, you know, we're doing this whole "why is this happening" kind of podcast uh, about the rhetoric that, that Danielle Smith is using for the for the uh, with the ND, with the federal government. Well, part of it is the rhetoric is the only strength she has. The words that she's using are infinitely stronger than a non constitutional uh, or an unconstitutional uh, piece of legislation that she rammed through uh, a reluctant legislature. Um, so I just, you know. When I was thinking about this, I thought, man, it feels like she's created her own problem because now she's going to appear impotent. And uh, I was looking for that answer from you. Uh, you kind of blew it, so I had to, <laughs> I had to uh, fill in the answer for myself. Well, here's okay, but I got a question about that. You you say a bunch of things that I just have trouble with. Like her supporters well, are going to walk away if she seems impotent in the face of the federal government. Yeah, walk away to where? Walk away to but where? This, but, there, you know, I think this is what we learned from the abacus poll uh, in mid-December. The abacus poll says that where they walk away to is nowhere. They walk away from the UCP. They walk away from the NDP. And they just simply don't participate in the next election. And in Alberta, we have that history. Well, I think in more than just Alberta, we have that history. There are many provinces, many, you know, even the federal government have seen um, lower turnout elections when the electorate is not thrilled about the choices that they're presented with. In Alberta, the 2008 election had the lowest turnout ever, and it was primarily because neither no one wanted Kevin Taft with the Liberals or Ed Stelmack uh, with the Conservatives to be the Premier, and they didn't vote for them. So the risk to Danielle is to uh, you know demotivate her existing base and if, he, if she demotivates it enough, there is a risk that potentially she's unable um, to get them uh, to come out and vote for her in, uh, in May. So that's what, that's what I'm watching. Um, I'll be watching to see if that continues and if she has to ramp up the, re- the rhetoric all the way to 11 um, to actually try and stop that from happening. Can I ask, though, let me follow up here. Do you think to- her odds get worse I was hosting. If those people are no longer with her, like, do you think her odds go down in the city of Calgary? If, if like the, the most fringe parts of the conservative movement say she's too moderate like or too ineffectual or walk away. Yeah, they do. If she continues to court them. And I think that this oh, is the lesson. Well, that's that we, interesting. Yeah. This yeah. is the lesson that we learned from Danielle Smith in 2012 is that she was willing to follow, um, the shit all the way down the drain. Uh, I can't think of another way of putting it. Um, <laughs> well, that's, that's evocative. Uh, evocative. Yeah. Yeah. It was evocative. I try and give you the best words. Um, and she followed, she followed the shit all the way down to the drain. You know, she followed it with, uh, with her lake of fire. She's followed it with her anti-vax campaign. She's following it. Um, all the, you know, she's starting projects and she's just finishing them. Uh, without really much consideration for what the long-term consequences are. And I think that that is, in a nutshell, 
who Danielle Smith is. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if she's able to move away from some of these positions or if she, even if she wants to, um, can she, uh, you know, cause she is surrounded by people who don't want to move away from these positions. Um, uh, good so, segment. So Corey. Carter. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. okay. You're going to ask another question. Well, I'm, I'm still play this one through for me because I, I frankly, I still don't kind of buy it. Right. The say there's a situation where Danielle Smith, um, you're saying before May too, just to be clear, like these guys say, and largely they are guys, but her supporters say, okay, uh, this is, this is all smoke and mirrors. You know, it's like the liberal Tory, same old story, Kenny Smith, same old myth. You're never going to fight. Autumn, oh, that's really right? good. Kenny Smith. No, no more. Same old. Wow. I'm writing that down. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. good with words. Yeah. And you think then what? Like, what's the next day? You think that Danielle Smith then starts begging them to come back through different, more fringe extreme things and abandons this whole federal thing? Or do you think she sort of ignores that and says, well, she what do you down. think, Rachel Notley? She doubles down on the whatever language she's using, right? She goes back and tries to win them over using the same techniques. There's The, the, the point you're making about the amount of time is, is really relevant. There is not a lot of time for her to change strategies, not a lot of time for her to change horses. So if she starts going down this path and it doesn't work, she doesn't have a lot of time to switch. So she will just double down on what she's already got because, first of all, switching may not even be advised, depending on how late she's getting into the game. And secondly, um, she doesn't like to switch her strategies. She likes to keep things nice and simple and on the same track. And that's I I think that that's where the potential weakness lies uh, for her on on some of these issues where her supporters are fucking nuts and um you, you know I don't think that the rest of the population is going to be sitting around going oh thank God the crazy people have gone away uh, now I can start to to vote for the woman with the crazy rhetoric that was trying to appeal to the crazy people. Well, I'm I'm less convinced because I still don't necessarily see a clear through line between the dissatisfaction of the far right and uh, Danielle Smith losing votes in Calgary. Listen, I just want to say this has been a great episode because you and I having a conversation is what people join the, the strategist podcast for. Uh, Zane <laughs> not being here, I think, has turned out to be a real bonus. Yeah, uh, the fact that we right. can't find, you know, can't find him. Uh, sure, it, it appeared like that was going to be dominant and annoying for quite a period of time. I, I think I'm getting over it. I think that uh, I'm moving past it. So, Do you know that $6 Patreon money split two ways? I know, right? I've already started to Just think saying. about that. Yeah, okay. I've started to think about that. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, e-bikes are very expensive, and I am not fit anymore. So I may have to go that direction. Hey, Corey, can I ask you a question? You can. You've got children. I do. I've got lots of them. Three, four, five. Who can count? I, right? I mean, it's like ancient civilizations count one too many. I'm in many. I'm not yeah. one. I'm not two. I'm many. Yeah. So you, in fact, you were telling me a story about one of your kids today. I completely forgot which one. I don't even remember what the topic was. But let me ask you this question. Which, like, are you worried about the shortage of ibuprofen? That currently that that existed before Christmas, like have you had to go? Like, are, is this something that still haunts you? 
No, uh, before Christmas, it was it was something that was not great, right? Because yeah. I had my kids were sick before everybody's yeah. kids have been sick, like in circuit, like per- perpetually here. Yeah, and we, uh, you know, we were doing things like um, using the the adult formulas and cutting them. You know, like you have one of these capsules and you sort of split them. We were making decisions like, okay, they don't seem that bad, so I'm going to keep this children's ibuprofen for another day. You know, we'll we'll see how they feel tomorrow. Things you don't want to do as a parent, right? Because no, you for worry sure. about dose sure. and because yeah. you don't want to see your kids suffer. Um. But uh, yeah, that was that was not a lot of fun. I'll say my kids are not currently sick, so I couldn't tell you the current state of ibuprofen. Did you do? Do you don't know if there's ibuprofen in the stores? I, I seem to recall uh, the last time I was in the stores that the shelves had all filled themselves back up. But yeah, I could, I'm not surprised. I'm not I'm, surprised. Yeah, because the reason I'm asking is that our provincial government has invested in, um, like I believe it's four point five or four, four, like millions of bottles. Of yeah, I think it was like ibuprofen. two and a half million or something. Yeah, like it was four, four million. I think. <laughs> and so, my question to you is, what the fuck are we going to do with all this children's ibuprofen? <laughs> like, are there alternative well, so, uses? Will this give me an erection? Like, I mean, I don't know. It depends on. I, I hope not. I guess I'll just finish that thought. I just that seems what all drugs are are made for now. So I don't. I don't even understand. Uh, I mean, you can't open your medicine cabinet and assume it's representative. I'm just okay. going to say that. Okay? Good point. Well, well yeah. argued. The thing I got to tell you, though, is this is a very classic government mistake. Um, it's the moment of crisis. I'm going to resolve the crisis with an action that will take so long as to get us outside of the moment of crisis. Yes. Yeah. Right. And then overshoot and, it by yeah. a gajillion. Yeah, I mean, and then, and then all of a sudden we're sitting there on massive stockpiles of things, right? And yeah, it's it's just it's um it, it's it's kind of amusing. It's darkly amusing because, of course, for those who have been following this story, the the provincial government said, "Well, this is a bloody outrage. We're just going to go get our own ibuprofen, get our own yeah. children's drugs. Got them from, I believe, Turkey. Might be yes, wrong. Yes, I on believe that. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah." And uh, then uh, Health Canada said, well, hold on, like, we've got to make sure that it meets safety requirements. And and then there was also, they said, and it's got to be in both official languages, which I think gave them, you know, them being the Daniel Smith government, then something to complain about and be like, oh, my God, they just want to have French on the labels. This is for Alberta, blah, 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 right? I mean, yeah. say what you will, but it's important that people in a country can read the, the medical information, and we are a bilingual country. Um, but maybe you, you sort of buy that practical argument, but we've recently found that one of the challenges seems to be like, there's no like children's tops and, you know, like the safety mechanisms for the bottles, the, uh, you know, the dose information wasn't the same. Like there were, there were a bunch of problems. And, and so now like this stuff is not going to land until, you know, and not needed. So, yeah, it definitely passed the date when it was actually required. I mean, I do think that it is quite amusing this took longer than uh, uh, took less time to figure out through the free market uh, than it took Danielle to figure out how to open a childproof cap. So that to me was pretty amazing. You know, the the childproof cap uh, flummoxed her, and uh, you know this type of government intervention should also be something that the the, the uh, a, a pro business government should just be ignoring. 
They should not be interested in this type of solution because the free market should solve this type of issue. And they blamed it all on the feds. But when you blame it all on the feds and it gets fixed before you fix something, it's because the feds fixed it. So, you know, just really, really short-sighted government, uh, no strategy at all again. Um, and I guess this is just par, par for the course uh, for the Danielle Smith uh, UCP. So, no, I disagree with you on this one. I think actually it worked out fine for Danielle Smith. And look, from a policy point of view, I've already told you, doesn't it, it's not really going to have any impact. Sounds like at least, right? Maybe yeah. there will be other shortages. Maybe we'll be sitting on massive stockpiles of hopefully not expired ibuprofen that we can then marshal towards the good children of Alberta, right? But not the I bad feel children. like you're not going to give it to the bad children. You're just going to not going to give it. Not going to give it to the bad. Thanks children. a lot, Two Santa things, Claus. Okay. Two things. One is you're you're making the moment almost isolated from everything else that was going on, and it came at a time when Daniel Smith was taking some beatings over the Sovereignty Act. There were challenges just in general with government messaging, and they changed the channel by saying, "Shame on the Trudeau government!" Right, not getting medicine for the kids, but I'm going to act. I'm going to get this medicine for the kids. Oh, and now they don't even want to let us give the medicine to the kids. What a bunch of dicks! And it's because of these arcane, impractical Ottawa imposed regulations, right? Yeah. And that's going to be the end of the story for most Albertans. Like, do you think that there's going to be a lot of follow-up coverage of this medicine actually didn't come in time and wasn't useful? And by the way, the medicine you see on the shelf is not because of the provincial government, because of the federal government. I think for a lot of Albertans, they're going to say, man, those shelves were empty. And then Danielle Smith said, we're going to fix this. And next time I went, there was medicine on the shelves, you know, and they're going to see causation where there is none. And I just don't feel there's going to be enough robust wraparound coverage that that voter is going to be disappointed or let down. I, I Like, I actually think politically it worked out fine for the Smith government. Well, I mean, you're just wrong. <laughs> I mean, look, if somebody wants to make a make hay of it, if the NDP decide this is going to be I our big hay. attack. I made well, hay of made it, and then I made hay. a really good joke about not being able to figure out a child-proof cap, and you didn't even laugh. You didn't I mean, even I chuckle. Didn't even, I was sitting here waiting and thinking about what I was going to say and do. I didn't even, yeah. You yeah, were thinking register. about yourself again, is what you were doing. I always do. This is why but having look, Zane is very helpful. Because when Zane is there, you and I can laugh at each other's jokes because we don't have to worry and about we Zane ignore right. yeah, we ignore right. him. Yeah, we ignore him. We ignore Zane, which is we why. We take the 10 minutes where he preambles do you and we, think that, we get our thoughts together. Do you think that people have figured out that the reason we don't answer his questions are because uh, we don't listen to them? I like, mean... You, you're answering my questions. It's it's actually a little unnerving for me. I yeah. don't like it very much. Yeah. Well, they're it's shorter, It's kind of like I direct think. response. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I got uh, I got one more question. Do you for think you. he's got GPS on his phone? Do you think we could track him down? Think we could we find should the have guy? put find my phone on his phone. I think that that was a mistake should. that we didn't do that. Um, if we see him again, his wife knows where he is. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Uh, I'm going to be honest. She does not text with me. Uh, <laughs> Hard to imagine. <laughs> <laughs> she. She has not texted me in some time. I think we got a text from her once. No, we we got a text. The last time we got a text from her was when he was in the hospital. Yeah, and we haven't gotten that text. So obviously so he can't be in the hospital. We can, we can make some assumptions there, I guess. Yeah, yeah unless 
Well, I'm not going to bring up the unless. We'll just let our listeners figure that out. Jesus. What did I say? I'm trying not to say it. I'm trying not to say it. I am being good. I'm being big. Yeah, you're a good guy. Yeah. I'm a good guy. No, look. I I really, truly believe that this is not something that's going to hurt the Danielle Smith government one iota. Unless, unless, unless somebody decides they want to make a big deal of it. But the thing is, if they made a big deal of it, they would be passing up opportunities to make big deals out of things that are more damaging to the Smith government at the end of the day. Because if I'm Danielle Smith, I say, you know what? You can sit there and you can armchair quarterback and you can tell me that this didn't work out, but... I am not going to apologize for trying and for doing things and putting the health and safety of Albertans first. And I would rather err on the side of that than be a do-nothing government that just hopes Justin Trudeau is going to come through for us. Okay, fine. I'll let you have that one. Um, We're now going to move on to our next segment. Our fifth segment is by my count, uh, but I may not have introduced the other count. Have we ever gotten through five segments with... No, no, uh, certainly not. This is ridiculous. Um, Speaking of healthcare, uh, this is brought to us by Flair Airlines, where nine out of ten flights uh, end up with you having without you having to access healthcare. Um, she talked a lot. Danielle really doubled down on healthcare. She doubled down on uh, making significant changes to primary care, increasing access to services, and also healthcare spending accounts. Um, my question to you, Corey, I mean. Changing primary health care, I've believed in for years. Uh, increasing access to surgeries seems like a pretty decent idea. Healthcare spending accounts, like to, to spend on things that aren't covered by, uh, are, you know, under the current health, Canada Health Act, that seems like a decent idea too. Why is it when Danielle says it, it sounds evil? Well, because with any message, you have to consider not just the message, but the messenger, right? Oh. And everybody yeah. comes preloaded with a brand. Right. And that brand may be in some context, I'm an expert in something. Right. Right. Or I am a deeply compassionate individual. Or maybe it's something just as simple as like, I'm going to have a good time listening to this person. But you have a brand and, and those brand set expectations and everything is filtered through that. So if you go and you see a comedian and they say something and it's shocking, Maybe that's an I'm going to have a good time guy and you're going to laugh, right? Whereas if it's somebody who's very stern and serious, you take it very stern and serious and you say, I'm not happy with that comment at all. Similarly with politicians, you know, they, they have brands and they have baggage in many cases. And Danielle Smith has made so many comments about what she wants to do with healthcare. It's hard not to see any action in the healthcare system as moving chess pieces around towards what we feel is her end goal, which is more private activity in healthcare, Right. Is it? Is it not? Does she just want to make investments in healthcare that, as you've said, on their surface seem pretty sensible? Hard to say. But I will also say that that kind of feeling you have, I doubt yeah. all Albertans have. Like, I think a lot of Albertans will just say, yeah, I wouldn't mind a bit of an HSA that just follows me from the province. And sure, I think primary care needs to be improved. Although I got to say, Well, I do believe that there are big improvements we need to make to primary care and just sort of the model overall and how we move people through the health system. Yeah. This does sort of feel like a thing that we talked a lot more about 10 years ago than now as Albertans. It's a bit of a theme, I think, for the Smith government. Yeah. 10 years ago was when we were talking about it. And uh, the reason we were talking about it is we had a significant shortage of doctors. Um, And then we changed the system and changed the way we paid them. 
Uh, and now we have a surplus of doctors. Uh, although we are shifting back since Danielle Smith came uh, to power and, and, and Jason Kenny, we are now starting to uh, experience the good old brain drain one more time. So uh, really glad that we've got that experience under our belt. Um, when you said the you have expectations of someone being funny, um, is that why you didn't laugh at my last two jokes? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, the inverse of expectations is a lack of, right? Which is also a brand that you might you might bring into to things here. Okay, well... Um, just hypothetically. Corey, I, th- I just wanted to say, you've done a hell of a job on answering all of my questions. Uh, and as per our agreement, it's now time for me to throw to you for the lightning round. So I have to do the lightning round? Did we agree to that? I don't remember agreeing to that. No, but I forgot to do the lightning round, so I thought I'd throw it to you and see how you did. I mean, that that could have just... Okay, uh, lightning round coming at you here. There's okay. so much that's happened. Do we... Are we just going to... Ign- okay. Uh, but you Steven. can put it into the lightning round and pretend like it was a regular... Yeah. In, and then we'll do a whole segment on it, like we do 80% of the time anyway. That's a good... All right. Yeah. Uh, over under on three months that Kevin McCarthy is Speaker of the House of Representatives in the United States. Let me tell you, my Jeb Bush prediction stands as one of the best predictions in the history of uh, politics. So I will obviously take the under on Kevin McCarthy. Uh, There's no way he can make it more than three months. And more importantly, there is no way he should want to have that job for more than three months. He wants it long enough to get a picture. Uh, His portrait will be in the in the the foyer of the, the, the Congress forever. And that's really all he should ever want. Okay. Well, I you, think it'll be over, but I think only in name. I, I just, it doesn't feel to me like there's any possibility that, um, you know, that he's going to have any real authority in the house the minute the rubber hits the road, the minute they've got to deal with things like debt ceilings. Let me ask you this question. Does yeah. he go to, do, does he last longer uh, than Matt Gates' jail sentence for, uh, per, you know, sex trafficking? Hmm. Jeez. What a dark place the United States has become, huh? Hard to say. <laughs> Hard okay, to say. Okay, here's I've... another one. Does he go? Does he last longer than the next accidental shooting that Lauren Laura Bobert, Lauren Bobert has in her own family? God. Okay. Well, we're gonna just brush right, right past that one here. I got one for you here. Okay. Okay. I got a good. question for you. Good. Over under. Okay. Over under on. Uh, I don't know how he does this. What's his normal format? I don't tend to listen to it. Yeah, it doesn't matter what the scale is. I'll make up an answer. That's how you have to think of it. It doesn't matter what the scale is. How about a letter grade for Jordan Peterson's uh, performance on Twitter to try to maintain his uh, psychology license? Well, I tell you, if if the good people of Twitter were determining whether or not Jordan Peterson should maintain his psychology license, he'd have no problem. Because the, 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 the trolls came out of the woodwork to support him. Unfortunately, I don't think that's the right audience. And I think, I'm just going on a limb here, it may be reinforcing some of the negative things that they were complaining about. <laughs> well, he posted online um, documents, which he then took down, that actually had the names of the uh, like complainants on it. They were, they were masked by like black boxes and PDFs that could be pulled off fairly easily. So. Oh, that's... Not great. Um, 
I don't think he's going to do very. I I think that he might be a psychi- psychologist for less time than Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House. <laughs> okay. Um, in uh, we've got Mexico. We've got the leaders of Canada, the United States, and Mexico uh, meeting to talk about you know the trilateral matters in front of us. Stephen Carter, over under on seven. The likelihood that you know the name of the president of Mexico? Uh, it's going to be uh, zero um, because I heard the name of the president of Mexico just yesterday and I went, that's not uh, Vicente what's, Fox. Vicente right? Fox? I, you yeah. Know, he's not been. He's yeah, like okay. three presidents ago. <laughs> God. He's, and, yeah. uh, you know, I. And then I thought, oh, I should remember that. What was his name? I can't remember. So I, it was in and out of my head so quickly, I, I'm i not going to remember. What about you? You Googled uh, it, you, bastard? No, no. Make me look stupid. He has a nickname. He has a nickname. It's Amlo. So just remember that. And that makes it sound like you know him even better. What would you... Well, first of all, Amlo? Amlo? Amlo. 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 Is it like, A-M-L-O. When it's his shooting, initials. When sh- when when playing with, when shoot, doing shootouts with the cartel, Amlo is that? No, what it that's is? Ju- that's just ignorant. What you said right there. What it's an oh, ignorant okay. thing to say? Yeah. Well, I'm just saying it because I have empathy for the uh, dozens of uh, Canadian tourists that were trapped um, in Mexico, unable to return. Hold it! Hold it! Is that where Zane is? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Did Zane take a discount trip? That would trip? explain the lack of shirts. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah Zane took a discount trip to Mexico and didn't even tell us. But you know, he was wearing a toque in that shirt. He you wears think a he's just toque a dirt all bag? the time. Have you not? Like, yeah, he wears a, a toque point. in the middle of summer. It's a good point. I don't understand it because I'm hot all the time, but he just puts a toque on and, like, it, and I'll be honest, if I had hair like his hair, I would never wear a toque. I would just let let hair. hair. His hair yeah. is the best hair on the Strategist podcast. And sadly, that's becoming not much of a contest, I'm afraid to say. No, not really. So what I'm unclear of, can I just say, I got one more lightning round question, but I think okay. I should ask you before the lightning round question. Okay. How do we end the podcast? Uh, traditionally? Like, which one of us has to do it? No, like, I mean, for this particular one, because I'm doing the lightning round, but you're supposed to be hosting. Oh, I can do the ending. I'll do the ending. Yeah. What we'll want to do is we want to make sure that when we do decide to end it, that it just ends. 